Welcome to IDGen, a podcast about crypto technology, security, and culture. With a healthy balance of enthusiasm and skepticism, we dig into a weekly look at crypto, cutting through the misinformation and hype in search of the signal in the noise. What's happening, Zach? How are you feeling this week? Hey, man, I am feeling great. I'm feeling on the enthusiastic skepticism spectrum right right in the middle. Nice. I'm a typically lean towards the enthusiasm spectrum, but I love my healthy dose of reality from you. Yeah, man. What, uh, where are you this week, huh? I am all the way in Colombia, in Bogota, Colombia. I'm gearing up for Ethereum's DevCon. Um, got a couple events that I'm producing here and excited to meet up and hang out with a bunch of people. And for those of you who don't know, Zach, this is kind of our anniversary. We met on a plane in on the way to DevCon in Cancun in 2017, five years. That's right, huh? Time flies, huh? What a trip that was. And there's some parallels between what we're going to talk about today and events that were happening leading up to DevCon 3 in Cancun. Yeah, I feel like people were talking about similar kinds of concerns. So it's uh, history repeats itself a little bit. It sure does. And aside from talking about some of the DevCon security this week, we are going to do the weekly news. I'm checking out a new section where we're going to start looking at, you know, moving forward. So not just a weekly review of what happened, but if there's any upcoming events in the next week or two that you might be interested in. So we've got a couple of those we're going to toss in this week. And then, yeah, we're going to go full on into this. We're going to transcend actually a lot of the the surface level static around DevCon security. And we're just going to talk about um, generic conference OPSEC and what you can be doing, what to be thinking about, what's a realistic concern. And we'll see where that goes. Yeah, we have a little history with that. After Zach and I met, we put on our own crypto event in Boulder, Colorado called DISCON. And so Zach was very uh, forward thinking on some of the security practices. Um, I don't know if we needed them back then, but it seems like they're becoming more and more relevant, the concerns that you brought up then. So I'm excited to uh, hear what you got to say. Yeah, I think we definitely over-engineered that. But that's for me, that's a fun part of it, thinking about these elements. And it is becoming more relevant. And there's some really interesting existing events and conferences that we can look to. We don't have to recreate the wheel here. Conference security has been an issue. And as we're going to talk about later, we're going to look at some recommendations that people have made for DEF CON, the longstanding hacker conference in Las Vegas. And uh, we're going to see how most of those same recommendations apply. So we don't have to start fresh. Um, that said, why don't we dig into the uh, weekly review here? Let's do it. I Sunday, October 2nd, in our only exciting DeFi hack of the week, transit swap users were rocked for $21 million. This one's interesting because they're saying, you know, transit swap lost 21 million to a vulnerability, but the vulnerability actually allowed an unknown attacker to drain the wallets of users who had approved the protocol swap contracts in the past. So kind of a clever hack here, and they leveraged this approval. So if you had approved the contracts to spend your tokens in the past, a vulnerability was exploited in the contracts that allowed the attacker to then, um, you know, take advantage of that approval. So that uh, this there's a nice write up on Rekt on this one. We're gonna work. We're working this week to keep it concise and and try and hit everything. We ran a little long last week, so we're just gonna keep moving. Of course, I'm tempted to dig way into that one, but we're gonna we're gonna stay on topic and moving into um, the second one. The Office of National Cyber Director has requested your insights and expertise on the cyber workforce. So this was uh, cyber workforce training and education. This was a post on the whitehouse.gov. And the only reason that this grabbed my attention and I wanted to call it out is uh, a quote directly from the article. Our nation continues to face a significant shortfall in cyber talent with estimates of approximately 700,000 open positions. That stood out to me. We talk about crypto security here, which is on the front lines of a you know relatively new technical 
angle on on security. But let's say that we do end up moving towards a CBDC or a um, you know a centrally backed digital currency and central bank digital currency security. If if it's already such an existing issue, there's so many open positions with the U.S. government. I think that we can assume that a very similar issue is going to occur when it comes to crypto security. I feel like they're talking to you, bud. <laughs> you, you know, they wouldn't want me to apply for this job, but I bet they'd be interested in what you have to say. But, you know, I think your talents are above that. Hey, well, I, I appreciate that. It's interesting also because I have been experimenting with this idea of putting out some crypto security training and... Yeah. I don't know how that would roll up into this, but I, I don't want to sound selfish, but I'm not particularly motivated to go contribute insights, you know, free of charge in into a program like this. I feel like they need some some incentives and maybe um, different ways. It's interesting though, like like you, you're probably not interested in giving them advice free of charge with me knowing you for a while. Like if this was a, a random company that you knew a founder of, like you would totally give them insights free of charge. You're, you're pretty generous with your, your time in that regards. But when it comes to the federal government, maybe not as much. Yeah. I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like I wouldn't mind helping if I feel like I would just type up a bunch of stuff and send it off into the ether and, and probably I wouldn't even know if anybody ever read it, but yeah, in independent, consulting and I, I love chatting about this stuff and I don't know I, I don't have a ton of experience on the education side but I think that there's a serious vacuum and the the angle that I'm working on is is really starting you know very simple at the actual at the absolute onset so I'm kind of targeting it as like the whole um, you know my parents or something like how would I approach educating them? about crypto security. Um, probably a whole other topic on that one. Don't need to digress too much, but if you, if any of our listeners are aware of any programs out there that exist like that, definitely send them my way. I would love to take a look and I have found a couple of existing things and it's leading me to believe that there's probably a pretty good opportunity. For sure. All right. Up next, this is October 1st, 2022. The new Digital Dollar Act, and this is from Bitcoin.com. Last week, we talked about a bill being introduced, and I just want to preface this by saying, you know, when a bill is introduced, it, it, that's, that's the very beginning of something like this, uh, of, of it actually working its way all the way through. And we like to cover these things just to kind of see what is coming down the pipes potentially keep that in mind that this you know this, these things may never pass it may may never happen in this particular case the no digital dollar act i think is particularly interesting uh, us senator james lankford a republican from oklahoma announced thursday that he has introduced a bill titled this is a long title no digital dollar act to prohibit the us treasury and the federal reserve from interfering with americans using paper currency if a digital currency is adopted and makes certain individuals can remain privacy over their transactions using cash and coins. God, that was long. You're right. Yeah. Maybe that might be a mistake, but that's what it says. That's the title of the bill. The part that's especially interesting to me is the end there and makes certain individuals can maintain privacy over their transactions using cash and coins. So I love that they've called out and they're seeing an issue with privacy and a CBDC. However, keep in mind, there are coins out there that exist in, in private digital currencies that, as far as we know, are, you know, uphold uh, a really high standard of privacy, Zcash. I hesitate to say Monero, but I'll throw it out there. Monero, um, we've got this Aztec protocol, you know, yep. and uh, I, I guess we wouldn't, it, it's an interesting place to group Tornado Cash in. I don't think a mixer probably really plays here. But anyways, the point being, I guess, that there are private digital currencies out there. And I, I, I feel like this is kind of like someone's coming in and saying, hey, let's put a stopper in place. 
to prevent, you know, just in case the CBDC emerges here soon. And I mean, I th- it seems like the intentions are good. They want to protect the privacy. Yeah. It's of course- well, like you said, it's it's just an early part of the the bill, and you know, we don't know how far along this is going to go. But I think it's a good sign, and you know. Yep. Uh, moving on to our next story, I'm excited to, we're going to be keeping up with the Kardashians. We don't normally talk about the the Kardashians and TMZ type stuff on, uh, on ID gen, but what's happening this week with Kim Kardashian? Yeah, no, we don't. And I like this one this week, Kim Kardashian was fined $1.26 million. I believe she agreed to that fine. That was a settlement as I understand it for touting crypto schemes. That was kind of the main headline that surfaced, but the underlying point that I found to be especially relevant is an article I found from Axios on the topic, why Kim Kardashian got fined and Matt Damon didn't. So we'll dig a little bit deeper into um, what exactly caused the SEC to go after Kim Kardashian versus uh, Matt Damon, a number of these other high profile, looks like Larry David was was also out there promoting a yeah, crypto- Floyd Mayweather was involved and it this was one that like when you saw this come out there was like not any question of like maybe this is a legit groundbreaking project it was called Ethereum Max and I remember seeing her promoting this and being like what who is working for her and told her that this was a good idea so I think Floyd actually got caught up with Kim in this as I understand it he was part of the Ethereum Max promotion I think he also got in trouble I'm not 100% sure on that and, um, yeah, for, for guys like us, I think seeing Kim Kardashian promote Ethereum max, it was pretty obvious it was a scam. However, it maybe wasn't as obvious to her, you know, hundreds of millions of followers. I don't know. I don't keep up with Kardashians. However, um, let's talk about why she got hit and these other guys didn't, um, Kim Kardashian crossed the line when she endorsed a crypto asset security. So if you're endorsing a company, the only rules that apply are the relatively lax ones from the FTC. However, if you're shilling a security, then disclosing that you were paid, and uh, I guess Kim Kardashian did that with a hashtag on Twitter. She said, this is a paid advertisement. That is actually not enough. You also need to disclose how much you were paid. So if I understand it, it's that simple that she was shilling a security that puts her in the sec jurisdiction with that you have to disclose the uh amount and you have to disclose that you were you know this specifically was a paid advertisement she did not display the amount so be careful if you're an influencer out there. Yeah, I, I doubt she was making any of these decisions or even made the post i bet it was somebody behind the scenes on her team who might have been fired after this debacle because it's just bad publicity for her. And I have a feeling they might go after her because she's not going to fight this. Like she's passionate about Ethereum max or cares about the space in general. She was trying to cash in a quick payday and uh, got called out. So you know what? I'm not upset about it. Yep. And this is what influencers do is they promote products. I, I saw some folks complaining about how scummy this is and it, and I, I agree. However, like this is what influencers do. They promote products and the crypto space, I think is particularly rife for this type of, uh, hesitate to call it an exploit, but right. It's kind of what it feels like an exploit on your, on everyone's mental space, just because of the direct connection to, to cash that crypto has. Right. Whereas if you're promoting a product, people still have to go out, buy that product, there's a whole supply chain involved sometimes, not always, right, with with getting that product. But with crypto, it's just snap of the fingers. They buy that coin, the money is transferred kind of thing. So moving on, as I mentioned earlier, we usually talk about um, past news, found a couple things coming up this week, and I thought it would be interesting to see if there's any merit to exploring upcoming interesting content next week at DevCon, which we're going to talk a lot about here. As I understand it, there's going to be a keynote talk on the Nomad Bridge attack uh, or Nomad Bridge hack from someone that worked at Nomad, I think is is the case. So if you're interested in that, that should be an awesome talk. I have a feeling DevCon's going to be live streamed. Hunt, do you know if that is the case? 
Yeah, I believe Peregrine, who has done a bunch of events, ETH Denver, and a, a friend of ID, Jen Jonathan, is uh, doing the video and streaming for that. So we'll have to maybe tweet out a link. Cool. Yeah, right on. So if you're interested in seeing that, I I, I don't I love watching talks live. It's going to be my, my biggest disappointment about bailing on DevCon this year is not getting to see the talks. However, um, yeah, so check that out. Nomad Bridge hack talk coming. I saw that in one of the Ethereum security channels. Thought I'd throw it out there. The next one, November 15th. I just caught wind of this this week. Seems pretty new. PyChain, the first virtual event for Python and blockchain developers. There's a call for speakers that's open, call for sponsors. And it's a virtual event with free tickets. So if you like Python and developing in the blockchain space, then definitely check out pychain.org and grab your free ticket for that event. It can be a November you love 15th. free tickets. I love it when people aren't charging thousands of dollars to uh, go to these events. And yeah, I'm excited for the uh, deep dive this week. I feel like the water is very deep on this topic. And when I say that, I just mean there are a lot of differing opinions and emotions caught up in this. And so uh, let's let's get into it, Zach. What are you thinking about uh, DevCon and the safety here and what's been going on on the interwebs and Twitter this week about it? All right. So here we are on the heels of DevCon 6, long time coming with the COVID pandemic and leading up to the event. Um, this is going to be held in Bogota. There's been this kind of wave of tweets and even some articles were published questioning the safety of conference goers. Veteran DevCon attendees are going to remember a similar panic from previous events. Um, this You're a veteran DevCon attendee. How many have you gone to? Hey, I've actually only been to two. Only two? Yeah. Okay. Um, my first was Cancun. That's still 33% of them. So, or, it, you know. Yeah, I, I did Cancun and then I did Prague. And I. Uh, no, no Osaka for you. There was another one in Japan. Yeah, I skipped that one. Actually, very similar to the reason I'm skipping next week. Family stuff. I'm just. Uh, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Family, but I'm going to I'm going to stay put first and, and do the family thing. And I'll and that's why you send me down. Yeah, buddy. To report and on the while you're down there, not to digress too much here, but you should find some some people that want to chat. I, I would love to. I'm looking forward to it. It's definitely on my mind. Yeah, that'd be cool if we could get some interviews. So, uh, what we wanted to look into is is this fud or is this a legit concern? We're gonna dig in. So, is there the the question that I set out to answer is is there a credible threat? And, and by that, I mean, is there a concentrated effort by a party to target DevCon attendees? So I'm not, I'm not as concerned with the, the natural state of Bogota, right? Mm -hmm. Like that cities are dangerous all over the world and they have their, um, they have their problems, right? What I was hoping to assess is, you know, is there like, an organized crime group? Are there petty thieves? Is there any evidence out there that someone is going, wait a minute, here we have thousands of rich crypto developers coming into town. Let's, you know, go after them. So the, you know, the TLDR is I, I can't find any evidence of that whatsoever. However, it is interesting if we kind of follow the story through Twitter, through the cryptoverse to get a better understanding of, of how it emerges. So yeah, the, as far as I could tell, the sort of panic here kicked off with uh, one or two different tweets. It's hard to say. We've got Crypto McKenna on October 3rd. I heard someone from the Solana engineering team got robbed at the Bogota airport. They were wearing Solana merch. I think ETH devs should value safety for me bringing no crypto stuff at all. Picking up yep. a new laptop and phone tomorrow, taking zero chances. So that was one tweet that was cited in some of the different articles. The thing that stood out to me immediately as I was digging in is that the uh, McKenna, Crypto McKenna replied to himself on that same tweet and said, 
living in London, shit like this just does not bother me that much. You just need to not be stupid. Conference will be fine. Just stick together and don't get very drunk. However, that tweet was not published in the articles. So we start to get the picture, the the narrative, right? The FUD, these, these news outlets, they need something to talk about, I guess. I don't know the sensationalism. So it, it, it works. Yeah. It pretty quickly. People get all riled up over it. Yeah. I mean it, right. Exactly. And then, so there was another tweet by the, um, I think one of the founders of Matic Polygon and he was saying he wasn't going to attend because of potential of a security issue. That tweet was deleted and we're going to dig more into this, but one thing I want to point out, there's a very good chance that um, when, when you start to assess operational security, OPSEC for, for events, even for your, you know, your home laptops, all these things, you want to be thinking about the, um, your kind of threat persona and the founder of Polygon probably has a different set of threats than you do. You know, you or I, sure. um, as, as just uh, kind of normal crypto folks, it's just probably different than someone who likely has hundreds of millions of dollars in crypto. So um, keep that in mind, you know, if maybe there was a, a credible threat for him or something happened that maybe that's not, you know, something that's relevant to us. You also never know, like the event's been in Bogota this entire time. And if he was planning to come, maybe he had some family issues or personal things. And it was a much easier out to say, you know, bail on meetings and events. He had to say that he was nervous about security things. And, you know, I think the um, crypto McKenna talking about how somebody was wearing Solana merch and that made them a target. I'm so deep in this space and I barely know what the Solana logo looks like. You know, like I don't think that the average street thief is like, Oh, that's Solana or Ethereum Max. Like that, that's somebody that we want to rob. I think they were probably maybe not the most streetwise person and maybe looked like a target. And that's more to do with the shirt that they're wearing. And one point that I wanted to make is there's some people online who are like, why did the Ethereum Foundation choose Bogota? You know, we should choose a safer place for our developers and our community. And there's a lot of good, you know, responses saying like, hey, we, we don't want to become another world economic forum that sits in Davos every year and sips tea and, you know, t talks about the world finances. Like crypto is here to help a lot of the countries like Argentina and Colombia. And so like, we're not here for just half the world. And we got to show that by showing up and not to mention like, you know, you do an event in Toronto, the economic impact is is there. It's cool. I'm sure Toronto appreciates it. But like bringing in millions of dollars of the business to a, a developing country like Colombia makes much more of an impact. And if we can inspire more developers in places like Bogota and Medellin, um, all over Colombia and South America in general, that's a big win for the Ethereum ecosystem. And so I don't agree that it was a bad choice. I think it was actually a brilliant choice to bring it down here. And, you know, this is my second time in Bogota and it's one of the safest places I've been in South America. It's still a developing world um, country and you've got to be smart. But at the same time, I've had just as many bad situations in bad neighborhoods in Denver or Chicago as I have in South America. So I just want to throw that out there. Sure. Yeah. I think on the Solana guy, the point though was that, <clears throat> or the the point maybe that he was making is that it, w it wasn't just a, you know, s street thief that didn't know what he was doing, that it, you know, they knew and they targeted them specifically because they were on the lookout. And if you were, you know, above a standard street level thief and you knew a crypto conference was coming to town, it wouldn't be too hard to look at some logos and do a little bit of research for that. I, I don't know, but just possible counterpoint just on that. And for anybody coming to Bogota, what could have easily happened is when you get there and it's like a lot of airports and a lot of uh, other countries, there are a lot of people hassling you to take a taxi. You never want to go to the guy who's like in your face, like taxi, taxi, sir. There's an official taxi uh, cab stand with like regulated taxis there. Or you can use one of the apps like Cabify or even Uber and they will pick you up and kind of be more vetted. But it, he might have just gone with the wrong person and that person might have robbed 
the person, whether they were a crypto person or just a normal person, because they made the kind of newbie mistake of going with the guy who was in their face being like, come, come with me, come to my car, let me take you somewhere. You know, like that's never a good idea. You always want to go with the, you know, more official uh, group. Yeah. And if we go full tinfoil hat, we really have to also point out that we don't know. I, I don't know beyond that tweet if a Solana engineer was actually even, you know, this is all by way of Twitter, as far as I know. And so for that, <clears throat> for that reason, we probably don't want to give it too much focus and we sure. can move on to what I think is uh, probably more relevant in, you know, in the overall bigger picture. And a lot of, a lot of people did say this, like, Hey, like, how about, you know, instead of just worrying about the security, like provide, you know, some basic tips and things. And so what I saw floating around were a lot of tips about how to stay safe in, in Bogota. And so let's go through some of those in, in related to DevCon. So let's go through some of those first, and then we're going to dig into that next level, which is, hey, it doesn't matter if you're in Bogota, it doesn't matter if you're in Prague or Cancun, wherever DevCon might be wherever any event might be, you know, we're going to dig into more specific OPSEC related to your technology at these high risk events. So, but first let's look at some of the Twitter threads, this one, and these are quoted in our show notes, linked in our show notes from little Ashaka, Lily Ashaka, maybe tip one, Never try to fight. You will end up getting hurt. The attackers are usually after your valuable belongings, so you're better to give them up what they want and get out of the situation as soon as possible. Tip two, put as little money in your ATM account as possible. Flash kidnappings is when a kidnapper holds a victim for a short time to extort a small ransom from an ATM card. They cash out a smaller amount per day to make it less suspicious. The more you have, the longer they hold you. Tip three, be careful with fake police officers. You don't need to show your passport to anyone on the street. Be especially wary of strangers who approach you out of the blue. And uh, tip four, this one just has me dying here. Do not try to punch with the normal keys between your fingers. Many of us thought that doing this naturally when we got scared, it never works. Okay, you'll end up hurting yourself. There's a better tool for self-defense if you really need it. So the first three tips, uh, I was reading this. I was like, great. These are, these are pretty cool. Interesting. And then this tip four, like <laughs> don't punch <laughs> the keys. This is all common sense to me. It's, it's all stuff, but it's great stuff to, to reiterate to anybody traveling to a new country. Yeah. I it's, think it's the two that stood out here. Okay. Three, even never try to fight makes sense to me unless you're, you know, a martial arts specialist, you really know what you're doing. Like whatever. Um, give them what they want and move on the ATM account. That's an interesting one. I don't know. Like I would just use a credit card and not have an ATM, but maybe you need the, the ATM card for some reason, uh, or, you know, crypto, but then now that's a whole new can of worms. Anyways, uh, fake police officers. I feel like that's an interesting one to just have on your radar, right? I don't know how credible or real that is, but it's like just the awareness that that's something that could happen is important. It's really easy and it's simple to just have that in your head. Um, hey, you know, not like a mile or two from my house. This was a problem recently. There was some creep pulling people over at midnight pretending to be a fake police officer. So, um, yeah, it, it happens everywhere. And, and, in general, in a lot of countries, the if it's a real police officer or a fake police officer, they want the same thing. They want a little bribe and they want to let you on their way. They don't really want to bring you to jail. They would like to, you know, you, what is, you know, $20, $30 to you to bribe them off might be what they make in a week. And so it is a lot of times the target. And I, I've traveled all over the world for a long time. And, and typically when you hear of people getting robbed and getting in bad situations, they are drinking too much, out too late, walking alone in, a, in the wrong neighborhood, not being respectful, not having a partner. There's just a lot of common sense things that I would do in, you know, uh, a bad neighborhood in New York, the same thing that I would do here. And so I think in general, it sounds kind of scary to some people, but it's just good things to keep in your mind. And I think most people are going to end up thinking this is a big nothing burger. Yeah, I, I agree. 
Um, that those were, I don't know, they were kind of funny. So I grabbed those and I thought a couple of interesting ones. This next set we'll go through quickly. This is from Twitter user Cami in this thing. A lot of people are concerned about safety at DevCon, how to stay safe and plan for the worst from someone Colombian born, but now only visits Colombia as someone living in America, a thread. So let's hit these quickly. Avoid looking like an easy target, wearing expensive jewelry, bring all your cash with you in your pocket. So it's saying avoid bringing all your cash with you in your pocket, carrying your laptop. If you know you're going to be walking around all day, walking around with your iPhone in your back pocket or hand, wearing crypto clothes, don't take public transportation. I also avoid taxis when I can. Remember, we're planning for the most adversarial situation. Take Ubers when you can and match the plates on the app. There were, there's more to that one and I mistakenly didn't get it in. Okay, sorry. It was some pretty good takes. I remember reading it, but it was definitely along the lines of the other one, a lot of common sense. Like I'm not going to be carrying thousands of dollars of cash with me in New York City either because that's not a smart move. Um, But it was nice to hear from somebody who is from Colombia, has family here and is kind of trying to bring some calm to the hysteria. So I will we'll definitely link that here. Yeah, actually, I, I pulled them up. So because a couple of yeah. these are really good, I think. And the last one I, I really like um, the city is dividing the north and south. The north is generally safer. South is less safe. Generally avoid El Centro like the plague. El Centro equals the city center. Understand that if you get robbed, there's a ninety nine point nine percent chance likelihood. It will just be a dude who tells you to give him your backpack nonviolent. If you've never been robbed, it builds character. Nothing to be afraid of. Just give them what they want. I've seen some threads disputing uh, that getting robbed is just character building. However, anyways, uh, avoid telling your people you're here for the crypto conference. Avoid disclosing any information that could lead to someone thinking you're rich as fuck, even if you're not actually rich. And lastly, Ponte Las Pilas, a phrase we use in Colombia, which means to have all five senses on. Be aware, be alert, pay attention to what's happening around you, and you'll be fine. One million people come to Colombia annually, and nothing happens to 99% of them. So I don't know about all those stats, if those are just kind of off the top of her head, what the the rates actually are, but I really like that last piece and that Colombian saying, you know, be, uh, which means to have all five senses on and be aware. So this has come up numerous times. Be careful if you're out drinking, partying, you're altering those senses, right? So pay attention to what's going on around you. That's just like sound advice. Yeah, it is. And something that I want to note is like, if that 99% is the Colombian people in general are so friendly and they want you here. And the thing that they hate the most is the reputation that they have for Pablo Escobar and cocaine and crime. And so they are trying to avoid that as much as possible. And that goes with the government and the police too. They do everything they can to make sure that tourists have the best possible experience here and feel safe throughout the entire time. So if you are in those touristy areas or staying near the conference or in the, you know, more tourist friendly places, you should not have any of these issues because there's a lot of people out there who are on your side, including the locals. They they want your tourism dollars coming here. They want more conferences coming here. They they really like what we're doing to bring technology and jobs to Colombia. So we have the support of 99% of people. There's just a few bad apples out there. But like Zach and I have been figuring out, it's there's a few bad apples in every industry trying to take advantage. So, you know, just keep your head on it. Yeah, that makes sense. And after reading through these and not being able to find any actual evidence of, of a, any kind of targeted threat, you know, I think that would be hard to be fair. It would be very difficult to, to find any proof of that leading up to an event like this. However, what I realized is that I didn't see a lot of discussion around the types of uh, things that I would do going out for, for years to different hacker cons. And I mean, it's a, absolute pure and simple overlap. It's the same thing, right? And the fun part is with a hacker con, you have quite a few talented people and they understand information security level at a very deep level. And you have a lot of fancy, interesting types of exploits that are being tested out and tried at um, DEF CON deaf with it with an f there in, in las vegas the big hacker con for example there's the wall of sheep and every year 
if you jump on the network and you are passing information in clear text, they just, instead of like letting some random hacker, you know, harvest all that, they took it to the next level and they just have a giant display called the wall of sheep where they just kind of echo out all the different clear text sensitive information. Of course, they they blur out the actual passwords and things, but you know, so that that mentality is something that I think plays well when we apply it to the crypto world. So what I decided to do is dig around a little bit and look for some recommendations related to OPSEC at DEF CON, Black Hat, any you know, uh, InfoSec conferences in general, because I knew there would be existing lists that we could reference and not reinvent the wheel, but hit up on some principles that are less about petty street theft, but this actually even gets more into the concept of if there are targeted attacks. And I'll be honest with you, this is just an opinion, but I think that you're probably, there's probably a higher risk of not necessarily native Colombians, but I could see actual black hats buying a ticket, flying in from out of town. And, you know, uh, let's talk about some of the ways, if you were a black hat in that context, how you might be going after DevCon attendees crypto. And as an attendee, what you could be doing to prevent that. And I think what we'll focus on is like, there's like some basic steps that you can take that's going to improve your posture considerably. And by doing that, you're going to put yourself into, you're going to move yourself out of the low hanging you know, fruit, right? So you don't want to be that person that's, um, you know, that's, that's doing the least because those are the ones that will get picked off. So um, let's talk about OPSEC. I found a post from darkangle.net and he starts out, this is about DEF CON OPSEC. And he starts out, you know, saying that before you continue, you need to understand that everyone's security needs are different. So your, your threat model uh, specifically, like most people don't need to defend against nation states. It's really fun for uh, InfoSec hackers like myself to think about and how you would actually do that. But for 99.9% .9 of people, unless you're a journalist, um, and then he goes through in this post, this whole list of, you know, it doesn't apply to defense contractors, yada, yada, yada. So we're assuming when we talk about this next list of things that you're not someone that is defending against nation states, you aren't a journalist reporting on corruption in the Saudi regime and things like that. So this is for the average crypto conference goer with, with elements of, you know, yeah, maybe you do have, you know, a nice fortune in crypto but the um, threat model. So the important part there is, is understanding your threat model. And so with that, uh, the first thing he mentions is maintaining custody of your devices. It's a sound defense from parties that would seek to make modifications to your equipment or outright steal your hardware. So kind of goes in opposition to what the, um, the Twitter poster said earlier about, you know, don't have your laptop on you all day. So if you're going to leave your laptop back at your flat, at your Airbnb or apartment, hotel, whatever, um, what I usually do is, is I just hide it. I just put it somewhere that if someone were to break in and, and just kind of ransack the place quickly, right, um, underneath the bed, you know, I mean, obviously that's a little bit of security through obscurity, but um, you, sure. hopefully you see I, I, the point. I think that's a great point because I've spent five months in South America and while I've never been mugged or robbed face to face, uh, two or three times I've had, you know, hotel cleaning staff come into my room and take something. So it's definitely a good, good point to know. Yeah. And, and from a technical attack vector perspective, it's considerably easier high level to attack a device if you have physical access, right? So, you know, if someone gets their hands on your laptop and your laptop is running, you know, there's different USB type exploits you can just plug in and things. So I, I would lean more towards personally, I keep my laptop very close. I'm also at, a, at an event like this. I'm going to be at the conference during the day. I might walk out and go get lunch, walk around a bit, but I'm not going to be out at night wandering out with my laptop or going into shady streets. So um, think about that physical access to the device and, um, <clears throat> Let's see. Number two, before bringing a notebook and phone, consider what those devices, um, 
consider what's on those devices and what might happen if they were compromised. So yeah, okay, leave your nudes at home, right? Uh, if you're gonna bring a laptop, what is on that laptop? Does it have financial secrets for your company? Does it have a bunch of your personal photos? You know, a common thread we saw with the Crypto McKenna tweet was, I'm buying a whole new laptop. Well, okay, for the, you know, crypto kings and queens, that is maybe a possible option. But for the average person, not an option to simply buy a new laptop to go to a conference. Maybe you buy one for going to conferences. But but either way, the main point is think about what's on it if it were to get compromised and get rid of that stuff. I don't know. I think this is good advice, even for going through customs and traveling. There's a lot, you know, um, depending on what country you're going into and out of, there's very blurry lines on what can be searched. So it's not a bad idea to think about what's on there. If you have photos, documents and things, and you don't, you're not going to need them at the event, then don't have them on the machine. Easy. Next one. I love this one. Run your updates. My wife always gives me hell about this. Last night we were loading up our smart TV we haven't used in a long time and it needed an update. And she's like, you're going to update this thing right now, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, I am. It took like four minutes. <laughs> um, I'm literally looking at my computer right now with like four updates I need to do. And I'm like, this is great, Zach. Thanks for, it, for encouraging me because I'm going to do yeah, it. Yeah. So why does it matter? Uh, your OS, your browsers, your wallets, these apps, right? When they're outdated, they're a lot more easy to exploit. If if you're missing security updates, a lot of times when a company puts out a security update, there's a whole kind of second tier of black hats that go look and they try to reverse engineer that patch. They figure out why that security patch was created and then they create exploits for that and they try to target those people. So it's a lot easier for a whole different class of less skilled attackers to target unupdated browsers, apps, OSs. So run your updates. There's a good one. Data storage and encryption, number four, encrypt your data at rest. This helps, you know, beforehand, if you're already on site and you haven't done this, um, kind of goes in alignment with that other point about knowing what's on your machine. If your hard drive's encrypted, it's going to be considerably more difficult for someone even with physical access to get that data. But if it's not, you know, I, I feel like this one's probably obvious and I'm not going to ask you hunt on air if your laptop's encrypted, but you know, should be. We'll talk about that after. <laughs> so, okay. Next one. Um, kill unnecessary Wi-Fi transmissions. There's a whole, this is a whole good one. I think Wi-Fi. Uh, some devices will retain a history of SSIDs they've connected to. If your device is set to connect to an access point automatically, it may send multiple probe requests containing an SSID that you have previously connected to. This can be used to set up a rogue access point and force your device to connect to it. I was playing with this a while ago. I had a drone issue at my house and I was seeing if I could, if the drone was using Wi-Fi, if I could perhaps connect to that Wi-Fi. So I have this fancy wireless card that allows me to listen to all wireless traffic. And it's absolutely astonishing. So Hunt, if I were to run that at my house when you came over and you had your phone on you, your phone is constantly, if the Wi-Fi is on, it's looking for access points, but it's a very insecure or non-private process. So it basically is going to go out and say, hey, uh, here's me, here's my Mac address, and here's all the previous SSIDs that I've connected to. So what I could see, what I started noticing, I lived near a, a trailhead. And so people going to the trailhead to hike were, were getting caught up in this. And I was seeing, I could see a list, sometimes 15, 20 different SSIDs, you know, the wireless names, right? And I could literally piece together like coffee shop names home, you know, you, you get all, all this information and your phone's constantly broadcasting that out. So the next step of that actually being converted into a viable man in the middle attack or a rogue access point is, is a little more, but the simple point here is to turn off wireless, right? And if you're going to connect, turn on your wireless, look closely at those wireless access point names. Are there duplicates? Are there ones that are spelled kind of similar right? Be very cautious. Make sure you're connecting to the, 
five point you think you're connecting to. And then when you do go into settings and turn off that auto connect, right? So if you connect to the Wi-Fi on your first day, you get to DevCon and then you come back the second day and someone set up a rogue access point with the same name, right? They may be trying to get you your, your phone to, to connect to that. Um, if you don't have auto connect turned on, then that's not going to happen. So this is a pretty important um, thing. I think it's like standard for most people that go to hacker cons. A lot of them turn off Bluetooth, Wi-Fi, all of that. Like, you know, the, we'll, we'll talk about the extreme paranoid scenario here in just a minute, but which is really basically to sum it up. You just don't bring your devices. Um, but when it comes to Wi-Fi, turn off the Wi-Fi, turn off the Bluetooth and pay very close attention to what you're connecting to when, once you get connected, then all the same typical advice for operating at a coffee shop comes into play, right? So use a VPN and use end-to-end -end encrypted applications like Signal. I know WhatsApp is extremely popular in South and Central American countries. At least it's end-to-end -end protect uh, encrypted, even if I personally don't trust them very far being owned by Meta. That being said, those simple recommendations are going to get you, you know, that, that's a good start as to keeping you secured when um, hanging on to your technology at one of these events. I think these are all great points. And I think like our part one and part two kind of tie into each other where the first part was talking about physical security in a place like Bogota. And then two was talking about like digital and online. It's literally just like personal hygiene with your with your security and it's just like don't be the dumbest one in the room make sure that you are always thinking about it and it, the reality is, is if you're always thinking about it and trying to be smart about not making yourself an easy target you probably won't be one and it'll that drastically decrease your odds of being in a bad situation because you know i would say that there's a good portion of attendees at the conference who don't you know do these online things to make sure that they are you know uh protected. So I think these are all really great points. And I, I like how they uh, tie together. And I definitely need to take some of these points to heart too, Zach. Good. Hopefully, you'll find some of those useful, or maybe you picked up a thing or two. And, um, you know, I think we could uh, continue on. But I think the summary, the summary point for me on this whole topic, if I had to make a prediction, I think that there will be isolated incidents and nothing more. I don't see, I don't think we're going to see Vitalik get kidnapped. I don't think there's going to be any kidnappings. I don't know. That's, that's my thought, but, um, you know, be safe out there, pay attention. I know it's incredibly fun in new and different cities, bars, people pay attention to, uh, I just want to add to it too, like in general with physical and online, if it seems too good to be true in anything, it usually is. If somebody's giving you this option that they want to sell you something for super cheap or, you know, give you something for free, there's usually a catch behind it. And so just, you know, try to think critically, is this, you know, why would this person be so interested in helping me out for free? Like, what do they get out of this? And I think that that will uh, help people a lot. Yep. I agree. Now we have um, a couple more sections we could jump into. We were really trying to keep this week's episode down in time. Hunt, what do you think? Should we pick up on the scam phone call stuff next week or do you want to dig in? Well, let's pick on about it next week. We have so much to talk about and I like keeping these episodes short and I think it's good uh, to kind of stay concise. Um, but I do really want, cause like I know once we start talking about these scam phone calls, you and I are going to want to wrap for 15 minutes on it at least because there's a lot to be said. Yeah, sounds great. And um, how about the personal hack attempt of the week? Hunt, you got something for us? I do. Kind of doxing myself here. Um, I'm a cannabis user, uh, have been for my whole adult life. And I heard recently about in Colombia that it was either decriminalized or legalized. And so I'm getting online on Reddit and searching, you know, what is the status of uh, cannabis in Bogota? And uh, the long story, the answer is it's been decriminalized. You can't buy it in stores, but it's, you know, you can have a small personal amount on you and um, there's nothing people can do. But as I'm on one of these threads, there's like this comment section. So I, I click on the comment section and this guy's like, 
hey, I emailed, you know, Mr. Jimmy 420 at Gmail. That's not his real email, so don't try to email it. But and, you know, he came through with the best weed in Colombia and it was cheap and he came right to my door. and It was easy. And then there were five more comments like, oh, thanks for the tip. I also came through uh, Mr. Jimmy and he also came to my you know, hotel and hooked me up and he was the nicest guy and, and whatever. And, you know, I'm kind of doing that thing where I think this seems if this is too good to be true, maybe not. So I may or may not have emailed him. And <laughs> he then wants you to get on a wicker or a signal an encrypted messaging thing. And then he long story short, wants you to send a deposit up front. And then when I Googled the email address that I had been emailing, it showed up that he was also uh, doing this in Thailand and also in India oh. and all these places where a lot of Western travelers go. And so he's, you know, probably sending them pictures of nice weed and saying, I'll deliver to your hotel. Sure. I'm in Bogota. Just send me $50 yeah, for my man. cab or so I know you're serious. Yep. And, uh, I, I thought about messing with him a little bit and, you know, leading him on as I sometimes like to do with scammers. I've seen you kind of do it too, but, um, I decided to leave it at that and just know that, you know, maybe I might just abstain for a week. We'll see. Yeah. To wait. So is it, is it legal or no? It is decriminalized. decriminalized. So you cannot buy it, You can't, um, but you can have it. There are people smoking it everywhere. But um, that being said, it's decriminalized. That doesn't mean that a police officer is not going to come up to your tourist and try to shake you down for a, uh, a, a bribe. You know, they'll probably tell you that it's illegal. They'll probably threaten that they're going to have to bring you in. Really, they just want 20 bucks, 50 bucks. They just want, you know, some type of payoff. So I would say to anybody coming out here, still treat it like it's illegal. Use uh common sense like if you were in a, a state or a country that is also illegal but uh one thing that i've found for my world travels is it seems that cannabis is everywhere everywhere yeah interesting sounds like a um a familiar scam the you know the send me the down payment and uh yep well, i think they use it in a couple different industries yep good on you keep your keep your minds on that side of things but have fun too don't spend your whole world inside a paranoid security mindset. Hopefully we can help you with that, you know, keeping you up with the basics and hopefully this episode helped someone stay safe out there. If you like what we're doing at ID Gen, we would love to hear from you. Your feedback would be excellent. If there's things you like, don't like we, we could be doing better. We would love to hear it. If you do like what we're doing, the best thing you could do is share it with a friend or point to someone else towards it. We're working hard to keep at this. It's a lot of work every week. And so it really helps us when we get feedback and we know that we've got people that are enjoying what we're doing and like it. So we want to keep doing it. So spread the word. If you can hunt, be safe in Bogota. I don't think I'm going to be down there. I don't know. We'll see. I haven't canceled the plane ticket yet, but um, I've seen crazier moves from you. So I'm, uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that like, I'll just be at DevCon or at a party and there behind me will be Zach, but you know, we'll see. Um, either way, totally respect your decision and uh, we'll see everybody next week. <laughs>